Hey everybody, uh, thanks for joining us. This is The Gavel Strikes. I am Brian Weedman, and my buddy, uh, my partner is uh, remote today. There he is right there. Hi everybody. I'm in, uh, Xavier I'm actually, is, where, where are you? I'm actually at the Chicago office, as you can see by the poster behind us. So, and, I like uh, how you, you weren't really sure where you, you were. <laughs> you, you were like- It's a good thing I didn't good. use this hand. And, and as you can see off to my left, we have an empty chair. I feel like I'm on the Big Bang Theory. Don't sit in my chair. Don't sit on my couch. Uh, but Zach Pogmiller from uh, Movie Posters will be here. He got stuck in a meeting, so uh, he will he will rush in at some point, hopefully during the uh, during the uh, show. And you guys get to see some stuff from him. So uh, why are you there? I, I I mean, you still really never explained it. <laughs> so uh, Chicago today is having um, um, what's what they deemed it as a salon. It's going to be um, a little event here from, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's 6 to 7.30. And what we're doing is basically showing off the emerging categories from the first emerging category, which again started um, the second category in the company, which is comics and comic art, to the newest categories, shoes and, and VHS. So. Um, there's a little uh, meeting. We're going to do a little talk and uh, anybody can be here pretty much. Uh, I think we have 30 RSVP people and um, it's going to be question and answers um, depending on different things and uh, why are certain collectibles um, collected and why is this particular comic or this particular toy valued at X amount when this other one that looks exactly the same to a layman um, is much is significantly less. So, so they they asked you to go to be the expert in what? Uh, so initially it was uh, um, Matt McGee, our colleague from comics in Chicago, wasn't going to be here. Um, uh, so I was going to initially be comics, comic art, and toys. But uh, since Matt is here, um, there was a, a rescheduling. Um, he's going to be talking about comics and comic art since he's the expert here and I'm going to be joining in for toys. So, and, and again, you're still there. Why <laughs> <laughs> he says expert, but we use that term loosely when we talk about X, you know, <laughs> <laughs> again, expert for X, man. X right? for expert. You're going to, you're going to, um, Miami too, right? So after this, uh, I particularly have another talk on Friday to uh, a class here in Chicago that will be about comics and comic art. And then I will be hopping on a plane to Miami for a Sunday convention in Miami at the Pullman uh, Hotel. So Awesome. Yeah, that'll be fun. Oh, good. So if you guys are in Miami, go to the show. Oh, yeah. Drop ask, by. Say hi. and Ask for his autograph. <laughs> I don't know about that. Have you done one yet? Have you done an autograph yet? Uh, no. Neither have I. I didn't <laughs> Actually, think I was... that's a mistake. When we were at um, when we were at uh, Seattle last year, remember that guy that came up to our booth and asked us for the signatures because we were just presenters there. That was the first time somebody. So you, I think you said no, but I told him, okay, sure, whatever. I don't and I signed that. his 
book booklet or um, I think I think book. mine's worth five cents. <laughs> so my my signature. So we do have a great show for you. Banter aside, uh, you brought a lot of art. You, even though you're remote, you have Tommy that you know we have the links up and everything, and you yes. can describe them like you normally do. We don't we're not relying on my uh, vast knowledge of of uh, artwork like we did a couple weeks ago. So uh, <laughs> why don't you lead us in while we're waiting for his act to get here? Okay, so uh, as usual, uh, this is my first pick for today, and I've changed it up a little bit, even though this one is still priced under $500. Uh, today, you're going to see uh, several pieces that are above $500, maybe even above $1,000, because we're. Uh, I will show, showcase some uh, lower, uh, more affordable pieces, but I also want to change it up and show higher end pieces that are still kind of affordable they're not over five ten thousand dollars so um this first one is a, a favorite of mine sergio aragonis which again he's famous for grew the wanderer and working at mad magazine of course and this is one of the mad magazine complete four page stories and i'm a, this is also a few things today is um why i call um this particular piece i brought up because i've always been a pirate I've always loved the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I always say if I, back in the day, if I was in that time period, I probably would have been a pirate. So, and this is just a nice four panel or four page gag of uh, the pirates going to sack another ship and then the ship going to defend them and they just end up switching, um, they just end up switching boats. Kind of like Jack Sparrow at the beginning of the first Pirates of the Caribbean when the British Royal Arm, uh, Navy prepped uh, the boat for them, <laughs> the interceptor when they steal it. Yeah, so awesome. again, uh, different uh, things pop into my collecting world or my likes for different reasons. And this one particularly, I am a huge fan of Sergio. I would love to have a Gru uh, title splash. It's usually two pages. Um, and the detail he does, it's very cartoony. He has his own style. Every time you see him, he's very recognizable. And again, this one particularly caught my attention because of the pirates. So, you would have been a deck swabber. You would not have been anybody <laughs> important. I promise. <laughs> I would have caused a mutiny. You would now. That I believe. I, I, I honestly, one hundred percent believe that part. That you would have definitely done that. <laughs> I would have been the skipper for sure. <laughs> skipper of the mutiny. You'd have been the first one walking the plank, and everybody else behind them. I knew I shouldn't have followed him. I knew I shouldn't have followed him. Sea turtles, sea turtles, strapped yeah. to my boots. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so the next one I brought up is a, again a kind of an undergroundish piece, close getting closer to a thousand dollars by Peter Bag. Uh, Peter Bag is a very famous independent creator. He's always done his own stuff. And this particular piece is actually a back cover to Weirdo Magazine. And it's kind of, I brought this one along because I like his weird style. It's re reminiscent of sometimes of Basil Wurrutin. And uh, this one is kind of a play, I guess, on the Dodo Bird. Uh, that's at least what I took from it. And again, really being in Weird Magazine, really weird creation. Wolverton bar flies type of thing and again very nice piece to have up on your wall especially it being a uh, back cover earlier Peter bag since it was done in 83 and again 
nice example of his art and uh, lettering, because that's another thing. A lot of these underground uh, artists and independent artists um, do their own lettering, like Daniel Klaus and Chris Ware. And some uh, collectors prefer pieces that have imagery and lettering because it's part of the whole artistry of them and part of the artistry of comics. Yeah, honestly, I thought this was Wolverton when you first flashed it up. I didn't know it was, <laughs> know it was bad. Yeah, and again, you can that's one of the things that you can tell the influences of certain artists. Um, Chris Ware, for example, is very influenced by uh, Get Frank, uh, Gasoline Alley uh, creator and um, Crazy Cat, George Herman. So. Right. Uh, the next one I brought... Uh, there are a couple of uh, John Buscema pieces in this auction, uh, this weekly. And I particularly brought this Tarzan piece because it's Marvel Tarzan. Everybody knows the regular Tarzan and then DC continued it um, from that series. But Marvel took it over. And it's John Buscema doing Tarzan. It's very reminiscent, especially of all the characters in, in the middle, of Conan, especially with the musculature and stuff like that. And if you notice in the auction, this page was under $500. It's at around $500. But get, uh, if Tommy can search uh, Busima in the weekly, you'll see that there are Conan pages in this weekly over $1,000. So this is the type of page that, again, if I had more funds, yeah, I'd go after a Conan page. But this Tarzan page, rarely see Tarzan uh, from Marvel. Not as much as you see the other Tarzans. And um, again, it's very reminiscent of what he would do for Conan. And I think it's a, I think it's a deal just because it's not the right title. So Yeah, and historically, you know, Tarzan jumped all three major um, um, publishers. Yes. They were in they were in gold key. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tarzan was a gold key first, and yep. then it jumped to DC, and then after it went from DC, it jumped to Marvel. And, so and again, kind of shopped the license around. And not only that, Tarzan is kind of one of the oldest savage sword kind of heroes, where it, he originated in the pulps in 1912. All story, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, I mean, it's it's gone through. It's not as much sword and sword. Uh, it's not as much sorcery as Conan is, but you do have the physical interactions. You have the fights. You have the again the. The, the natives from different lands uh, fighting or or taking control of something else where the hero like Tarzan or Conan has to rectify the situation. So Yeah, I, I remember when I went to, um, uh, where did I go? Uh, where I met Jose Garcia Lopez, I bought that, I bought the page from him, uh, a Tarzan page, and it's all Jane, you know, and that, that was, that was really a good page, even though it was, it was cheaper because it didn't have Tarzan in any of the panels, but it had Jane and, you know, really pretty poses. Well, you'd be surprised. Again, I would have expected a Jane, especially a, a good imagery of Jane being just like a Conan Belite page. Again, yeah, yeah. So. No, it's, I was I was really I'm really happy I own that. It's it's really un, unusual for me to to branch out like that, but I loved it. Well, and and I got to meet uh, Jose Garcia Lopez, who was just one of the nicest guys uh, you could you could ask for. You know, yeah. Some of the best experiences I've had buying a piece of original art is buying it directly from the artist, because right. you not only have a conversation with them, you kind of tell them why you like your his art. Or their or her art, then they 
tell you why they got into the the, right. the field or what passions what passions they're about. And again, I've become Baltimore. We went to Baltimore. I think is where we. Okay. Yeah. Again, I've become friends with certain artists over a long time, but and I have <laughs> patroned them by buying pieces, but. You'd be surprised how friendly they are after they recognize you several times. So. Well, especially since you care about their works, you know that's that's what's important. You know, you and not only that, it's just like re, like this past week, and I spoke again with David Mack, which I've known, I've met several times over the years, and um, talked to him about his personal life. We're talking, to, uh, I was talking to how he works for the State Department sometimes, and goes to underprivileged countries to teach um, children um, watercolor. And I thought that was amazing. That's, That's amazing. So, yeah. And not only, so it, it was, he teaches them how to draw with watercolors because he's very fam uh, famous for that, with watercolor drawing. And, and he was explaining how the watercolors are non-toxic in case the kids don't know and try to eat it or something like that. So it was, it was it's something very commendable about him. So not only is he a comic artist, he goes around the world and he doesn't have to. He can be very much happy in his New York apartment or wherever. And um, but he does. That's really cool. Yeah. What do we got next? Oh, so next piece I brought is a splash page, and I brought this one along because, again, it's one of those pieces that it is a U.S. character publication, but this was done in the U.K. and even though on the bottom it says Al Milgram as the artist, it's actually by Jim Craig, because Jim Craig, which, who was a U.S. Um, a U.K. artist, would redraw certain um, pieces of the story depending on what they, their needs were on U.K. Marvel publishing. And this is a, a great splash of Captain Marvel with uh, it, it. It's not the Watcher in the back, but it does look like the Watcher. And uh, this splash, if it was, again, Al Milgram or Klaus, or if it was to go even further, Starlin, you would be talking, and a U.S. version, you'd be talking five, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. Since this is a U.K. version splash, it's at $350. And it's, it's, I, it's a steal, in my opinion. Um, this is the type of piece that you would love on your wall. It's one image. It's a title splash. And it has everything going for it. Pretty much so. And like I said, if that was Starlin or Klaus and Milgram, you'd be talking thousands, if not tens of thousands by now. So. Yeah, I saw, I saw a piece in the um, uh, international auction that we had this past weekend. Uh, it was a Hobgoblin, it was a Spider-Man piece, and it was a, it was a color, uh, you know, it had a lot of color in it, but mm -hmm. it was done by an artist, a UK artist. It had the Rose, Hobgoblin, Jack-O-Lantern, and then Spider-Man in it. And it was a classic 1980s pose, you know, like a 1980s book. And that is pennies on the dollar what that would have brought compared to a, 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 a US artist. If that was done for a book, you know, with us, I, I would have loved to have had that. Um, I got something else instead, but you know, you can't get everything. I, w I wish I were rich enough to buy everything. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We have a, comment. Oh, we have a comment. I have a great chance with Joe Sinnott, Joe, uh, Joe Stanton, Walt it, Simonson, and several others. Best part of the hobby, in my opinion. We it, agree, it Chris. You know, I mean, you know, it's not every day we get to talk to somebody, uh, you know, but when we do, we really appreciate it. It's, it's it, nice to talk to them. 
And, and, and one of the, going further to that, it's like when I was a kid and even today, it's just, I, people are very entranced or very by fame. Like they love meeting famous people and stuff like that. And not to, not to sound jaded or anything, but I didn't really care to meet celebrities like movie celebrities or musicians, even though I have met a, a one or two musicians and they've been very cool. But to me, my rock stars ever since I was a kid were comic book people. Right. And they were the artists. Like to me, it was going to a convention and meeting John Romita Jr. was like, oh my God. Like, and then having him basically draw Daredevil head in front of me and it took him five seconds, maybe seven, yeah. to, to outline what he, Daredevil in pencil and just give it to me and sign it. And I was just like, it, it's, it's an awestruck feeling as, from a kid. And it's it, the one, probably the one thing I haven't, hasn't jaded me is meeting artists. And, uh, and I felt like a little kid in a, <laughs> in, a can, in a comic book store when I met Stan Lee. So. Yeah, it, it's really a unique thing. And we all feel like that. You know, I mean, all people stand in line for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never, you know, I, I've said this before, but Kevin Eastman came up to the booth in, in New York to, to prank me. And you can't imagine the amount of people that mopped him at our booth. You know, they, they didn't understand why he was there, but they saw him and, and he, you know, he can't go 10 feet without getting, getting mobbed. <laughs> and uh, in those situations, like that, it's, it's, it's really cool to then be able to, you know, we get really lucky, you know, we're lucky. Listen, let's face it. You and I are lucky. We work where we work. We're very we'll lucky. Do what we, we do. Meet the people. We yeah. do what we do. We sometimes run into you know uh, people like Jose Garcia Lopez, Kevin Eastman, you know, and and we get to talk to them on a level that that most people don't. You guys got to stand in line for hours and hours, and that's even that's even more cool because then you get the experience. You know, uh, I, I think, you know, sometimes I'm jealous. I don't have to stand in line, although I hate lines. Don't, don't get me <laughs> wrong. Uh, sometimes, you know, that's part of the process of then you getting then to meet your heroes. It's, it's really neat. And the best the best of them are the ones that actually give you a George, like George Perez used to and Lee Weeks does, too. Um, they, they give you you stand by their table and they'll talk to you. Like, yeah, they'll give you give more than the five minutes of, the of their time. Like, yeah, so. Next, Tommy. <laughs> so I brought this one along because if I'm not mistaken, there are also other Captain America pages in this auction, uh, maybe by Keon or uh, other artists. But I brought this one along because I love mummies. And this one kind of stood out to me because of the mummies. Uh, I love the kind of the mummy, the first mummy movie, actually. And I love the EC. One of my favorite EC covers is the archaeologist with the mummy in the background coming out of the coffin. And this one kind of has it all. It has the mummy and my, for my like, it has Captain America rescuing the damsel in distress. And it's just great action, great positioning. That first top panel is amazing. And, and it's just what you would want in an interior page. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, like I said, there's other Captain America pages. There's a Captain America page from the annual, I think, that's very affordable, under, I think, $300 last time I checked. But this was, again, this is what every um, collector would want as an example of a Captain America page. And this probably is going to go up to $2,500, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, 
um, it's it's not going to stay at sixteen hundred. But to show you what, to show you why I found this page interesting, and to show you what what uh, basically higher end collectors look for in pages: hero in the costume, great action, <laughs> a bonus that Captain America is saving a girl. So. Just a great piece overall. I almost put this one on the um, the newsletter. I, I, this is a good piece. Yeah, there's really good art in this week. So oh, there is. Don't, that... don't, because I had a hard time keeping it down. Uh, yeah. You know, I have to sometimes I have to do a newsletter that gets sent out to everybody, and you know you have to pick uh, you know eight lots, six of them or uh, or seven of them are um, and it's not easy. Five or six of them are. Um, uh, regular art lots and then the other's animation and I have a really hard time sometimes not going but I want to put this one in here I want to put that one in there they're all good you know there's yep. some really good stuff this week and they're all good for different reasons that's right another thing, right. right so different different ways of collecting art within the art collecting Correct. genre exactly and and again different likes like like I said the pirates the mummies right like you make fun of me all the time trying to figure out um, the treasure chest covers. So it's just like, if there's treasure in the chest, it's con yes. But if there's just the chest and there's no treasure on it, it's like, hey, it's just a bag of baubles. There are nobody <laughs> stealing it. It doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. But that's but like I said, there's so many different genres and there's so many ways of collecting for you. And that's like yeah. something we say to you all the time. It doesn't matter what we say. You know what I mean? We we can point all this stuff out all day long. You may hate everything we show you. Good, yeah. that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And, Pick and out that, what you like. We want that's you what, to like it. And that's what art's supposed to do. It's supposed yeah. to invoke an emotion for good or for bad. So if you yeah. don't like it, move to say, "Hate Starry Night." We've been over this a thousand times. <laughs> I hate it. But you know that's part of the process. It is, and uh, and there's different ways of collecting. For somebody to tell you, "Oh, this is how to collect," or they're, they're telling you probably how they collect or how to invest, which is a, right. a, a thing that's right. happened uh, a lot. The only true hobby. way to collect is to buy what you love. It buy what you love because that. that, well, buy what you love because you'll never go wrong. You'll never hate it. It'll be on your wall. You'll enjoy it. And when you come to time to sell it, if you didn't make money, it won't, it won't bother you as much because it's, one of the few things that you can enjoy for right. years, decades, and actually get a monetary return, whether it be more or less, after all the enjoyment you've had of it. So I, I know I've said this before, but I've gone to animation cells and art as opposed to comic books. I don't collect as many comic books. It's a rare day when I buy a comic. Um, but that is because I can put it on my wall. I can't put a comic on my wall. It'll damage the books. And oh, I, I'm bringing, or... I have an example with me of why you can't do that. Um, but I, I go home every day and I look at my wall and I go, I love that. I love that. I love that. And, and there's a reason why it's on my wall. And, and I enjoy and, it that much more every single time. And to a certain psychological point, that, that, that creates an enjoyment. Like, yeah. Imagine you coming home from a long day and it's been a bad day and all of a sudden you look at your art and it's just like oh, that's nice it, yeah. it it livens you up a little bit it does so uh this one i brought actually to tease you um there's actually a couple of fairy uh pieces in the... i know i showed tony this one <laughs> this one i brought because there's another piece that is just the fairy 
And there's a couple of other pieces that look like Good Girl. But this one I brought because it has the little troll trying to kill her. <laughs> and it says, fairy, uh, fairy hunting season open. And uh, as you know, I don't like pencils. But this piece is amazing. In I think I showed this to Tony. My, that's that's my wife. If you don't know, she um, she likes fairies. She yeah. likes fairies. <laughs> that's and so my, my you know she has a curio cabinet. Uh, go ahead, have a seat. Don't don't, don't worry about us. Um, Zach showed up. Whoa, Zach showed up and started throwing things around. Gotta watch out for him. Um, so she collects fairies, and I I would tease her. You know, she has this curio cabinet, and it's full of fairy stuff. Uh, and so uh, you know, she she has eclipsed the room. You'll be good. So, so this piece, uh, yeah, he's he's messing with me. <laughs> so this piece in particular, again, newer artist, not somebody I'm very familiar with, but it, it's obviously a very talented person. Great imagery, great anatomy, great anatomy on the troll, even though it's uh, skewed. Covered up. And look yeah. at the face. I mean, it's the the guys, the artist is very good, and for it to be at fifty six dollars, I think is. I think I think this is one of those pieces that you should buy for Tony. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm already looking at it. So th thanks for jacking the price up by showing everybody else. I appreciate it. Again, there's a bunch of other pieces. So <laughs> my my buddy is, says he's my friend. He's really not. <laughs> I'm I am your friend. I'm helping you save money. You're not helping me save money by spending it, Xavier. Again, if it goes too high. Zach showed up. We've got Zach. Hey, so, so hey, Zach. Uh, sorry I'm late. That's okay. We're, we'll get into we'll after X is done with his art. We just kind of go through the art and then we'll go into why you brought your stuff. Beautiful. It's uh and and this is relaxed. We just have fun. Sure. So make fun of each other. I make fun of him all the time. Look at him. So between uh, two ferns. Huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, you're between the ferns. So what else did you bring? This is good. Yeah, you've brought a couple things like this before. And, but and again, the, I brought them usually when they're uh, uh, under five hundred dollars. This one I brought, um, it's above five. It's, it's at fourteen fifty. And uh, again, like the other Captain America, this is probably going to go up past two thousand dollars in my opinion. But um, just a beautiful scene. This is one of those illustration pieces that we've been having. Again, the artistry is amazing. Um, that it um i forgot the title of the piece but um it's like a oh, condemned, to, condemned die. to die condemned to die so it's just like you see him with the the loved woman and there it looks like they're in some kind of vat that they're about to either be boiled or uh fire uh but again beautiful detail amazing piece uh the the charcoal looking uh, gray tones on the piece are amazing. Um, it's just, those, this is one of those, it's not comic related, but it's something that I would love to have on my wall. Just more the detail associated. around the tub. The detail yeah. around the tub is insane. It, it's amazing that you can get this much detail in no, any, and in look a at her clothing. Paper. Look at her clothing. Like You can actually see the depth of it, almost like that rope-like structure hugging her body. Yeah, and the, and the bracelets and stuff like that. Again, look at the faces. Even the background faces are not completely unfinished. Um, just just an amazing piece, and published piece as well. Um, more uh, along the lines of going into fine art. So, how how long would you guess it took somebody to do this? Oh, I mean, 
it depends on the artist, which is amazingly impressive. Um, some artists can do this in a week. Some artists can maybe take a month. I recently learned that Frazetta, it took him five years to finish one of his paintings that he gifted to, I think, his niece or one of his daughters. Um, and he would just go back to it. Um, he would keep tweaking it. Um, the, the oils would dry out a little bit more and he'd change the color. Because that's another thing. Oil doesn't um, set or it stays active for a very long time. Yeah, it's like five years because yeah. I, I had somebody gift us an oil painting and we were going to put it in glass. We framed it, but we were going to have a yeah. glass in front of it. And they said, no, don't do that because the oil needs to set and it'll take yeah. at least five years to do so. Yes. I, so I didn't know that. I think that's incredible. And, and then if you do put it in glass, that might create, which sometimes happens that I've seen, a mic, it's kind of, not to say microclimate, but it could damage the art yeah, by being no sealed, sealed in that. It could cause humidity. It could cause different molds. So that's, that's, It's good to know that because as comic experts, we hold things different. And I, I'm assuming uh, um, posters are the same. You, you have to do certain things or you can do certain things different than a comic book. It's a different paper. It's well, it's like the comic book uh, I'm sure is very common with movie posters is foxing. Which right, is, right. Right. Any, so. yeah, any sort of moisture is horrible for right. And, right. So, and this one wow, I brought along. Great piece. And it's a cover. It's a variant cover. And I love the flip of it because it's like kind of the classic newer looking Archie, Betty and Veronica. And then you have the very, very modern, almost like future 2000, like 2020 futuristic. Tommy, put this on my want list, will you? <laughs> it's by Dan Parent, which is a very prolific Archie artist. He was actually at um, Emerald City this year. Um, but it, uh, again, beautiful cover. It's under $150 currently. I love the flip on it. Um, I love the Betty on the flip, actually. It's like <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, I, I like the Betty on the flip, too. I don't like the Veronica on the flip. The Veronica is very um, still cool. Yeah, and but the Veronica is more like, uh, I don't know, like, like um, uh, um, a, house, a house dancer girl or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Betty just looks like she's going to a high-end club. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so again, a, a a lovely piece that I'd love to have on my wall. And again, that flip, that oh flip. Oh my god, work. I owe Heritage so much money. Don't make me spend more. <laughs> so beautiful piece. <laughs> this one I brought along because it's actually I thought it was a preliminary, but it seems to be the finished piece. Yeah, I actually yeah. put this in the webs in the uh, I think on the. Um, newsletter or, at least i saw it enough to do or at least betty is the finished piece yeah um, I, I nixed it i think it, it's really i love this item so um it's kind of like an end page it has betty on it jim silk has continued kind of dave stevens style of betty from uh the rocketeer and stuff like that and it's just a beautiful page of his an example of his art um what we mostly see are commission pieces which are beautifully painted and they go in the thousands uh, but we don't get to see many of his interior pages for the, the the story that he did and this is a great example of one of those pages so especially with yeah, that if you're if you're a betty page fan 
you you really want to look at this like yeah, and especially really with that betty like again that betty is yeah that's what you want i mean you couldn't ask for more and it's I'm under 250 dollars. i mean it's above 200 it's not that one's not staying at 250 I yeah. <laughs> I, i'm not gonna be able to afford that one by the time it's done so i brought this one along because um it's starlin and um, like I had that Captain Marvel and I said that if that was Starlin, it'd be tens of thousands of dollars. This is Starlin from the Affinity Abyss. It's one of the newer stories that he did for Marvel, uh, before, uh, going again, he went to DC and then came back to Marvel. Uh, but it's a beautiful splash of Dr. Strange and the, and again, the mystic arts. Uh, one of the, one of the, I had the chance to meet Starlin twice and I sat in on one of his talks and. Starlin, when he started working at Marvel, he had two choices, which I always found fascinating. He had the choice to do Spider-Man and regular superheroes, or he could do Captain Marvel, Silver Surfer, and all that stuff. And he chose to do Captain Marvel and all the space stuff because he said he was um, at liberty to create whatever came into his mind. And not only that, he also liked the fact of the dark... Um, uh, Thanos character because uh, he said that Thanos was all the dark uh, thoughts that would ru run through his mind that he knew that he could never do but he put it into this character which again could do whatever he wanted and and he continued on saying if he would have drawn Spider-Man he would have been drawing the city of New York and as I say it gets it gets tiresome drawing buildings with windows so right. But this piece is kind of the example where he's creating um, Doctor Strange's mystic sorcery with the with the line work. You have uh, you have his assistant in the back. You have the mystical ball floating. You have him on this one side um, getting a, in this um, spiritual form. So Wong Wong's back there. It's funny that you mentioned that you know him getting to to pour into Thanos what. You know he wanted to do and never could you know his little dark night way we've always said i'm gonna kill you yeah. i've always thought harlequin was that i've always thought harlequin you know i've told this to my wife i i said harlequin is is what you wish you could do when you're mad at me <laughs> you know <laughs> i've always thought harlequin was that iteration of you know a girl being mad at a guy and just hauling off on them at some point you know but you know of course we don't do that in civilized society but I've always uh, again, that if you're if you're like sane that. and normal you don't do that <laughs> if you're sane and normal you don't do that so, so. but uh, it was very interesting and it and that's to show you kind of the creative process as well for these creators it's like they take a lot of from their personal lives sure particularly again with the death of captain marvel that was very related to the death of his father he right. put the cancer and all that stuff because that's what his father died of. And to, to still today, it's a very impactful and meaningful and memorable it, story. It's amazing that actually is not worth more to me because it's so uh, well, pages important to the Marvel Universe. All the pages, of course, the art is. Yeah. Uh, but but the story itself, there that's a little less well-known, that graphic novel. Well, uh, that one... Another one of my favorites is um, the one, I don't remember the name of it now, but when Doctor Strange becomes Sorcerer Supreme, um, his rival is Doctor Doom. Magnola did the story, and it's very interesting, that whole story, because you think that Doom, from the beginning, is trying to become the 
Sorcerer Supreme. But the twist of it is that he wanted to be the second. He wanted to be the runner-up because the runner-up gets to ask a wish from the Sorcerer Supreme. And Doom's wish was to bring back his mother. And it's just like, when you when you when I read that as a, a teenager, I was just like, oh my God, like this I is I never expected to see that. Yeah. And that this is real. And like, they have this such is, a human this, emotion from a bad guy. Yeah. And this is real. Like this is yeah. he planned it the whole time. He didn't right. want to win. He didn't want this ultimate power like you see him trying to get through the comics and in Fantastic Four. He just wanted his mom. Yeah. So Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and I think this is, is the final piece. Yes, this is the final piece, if okay. I'm not mistaken. So this one I brought along again is Bernie Wrightston. It's over two thousand dollars. This is probably going. This is probably going to keep going, maybe up to five. But um, I brought this one along because we always see Bernie Wrightston's monsters. We always see Bernie Wrightston Batman, but we rarely see Bernie Wrightston Superman. And this is an example. Like if you want a Superman, this, buy Bernie Wrightston. This is going to be your page. And look at the line work, look at the shadowing. It, and it, it, he drew him kind of very muscular, very, and this is a, might be an Elseworld, it's weird, but he's, he's, he's almost, he, there he looks like a real large, massive Superman. Like, right. And it might, it might even be his face, this storyline might be where he's a little bit angry and stuff like that. But um, very different, very wide-looking bodybuilder type of Superman. A very imposing figure on that first panel, especially with the line work from the smoke. Um, it's just a great piece. And if yeah, you want to write in Superman, this is it. Yeah, you won't see something like this again for a while. Yeah. That's probably the first Superman I've ever seen him draw. And, then, and what's great is, this, again, paneling. To me, sometimes the paneling uh, is works for what I want on my wall. You got that huge, large panel at the top. You got three face panels perfectly in the middle. And then you got that huge panel on the bottom again. Yeah. So it's very symmetric, very nice. So. And the silhouettes are great. Oh, yeah. I don't know the line work for the background. I, I, I mean, that's right. to show you that's kind of what he would do for Frankenstein. It's right. So. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate you bringing everything. As always, you always bring great stuff and break break my paychecks. I, I don't really <laughs> understand why that happens so much, but uh, I I, br I bought a, a cover in the in the uh, international auction uh, this right. weekend, and I, did I show that to you? I don't remember. Oh, I'll show it to you. It, it's I'll, I'll send it when we're done. It's really awesome. It's a it's a Powerpuff of all things. Oh yeah, you Powerpuff did you did show me that. Yeah, you did show uh, me. But it's got all the Powerpuff girls. It's got the professor and it's got Mojo Jojo. So it's got everything you could want on the cover. Yeah. Um, but you know that's why I'm always in hock to Heritage, just because I keep buying things. Do you do that? Do you buy stuff? I, it's not just in comics. It's like really yeah. hard to work here, guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we want everything. You know, just being a collector. Right back. Yeah. It's. I have to really be careful because I could literally spend my paycheck every week, no problem. It would be easy. You have, have to set rules, really like I said. Easy. You have to set rules for yourself. I, well, my rule is I need my wife to make a lot more money here so I can start spending more money. <laughs> so that's the rule. She needs to make more. Hopefully she's not watching this. I did give her the link today, so she may actually be watching this this time, and now I'm in trouble. So, um, Zach, Any questions like we always say? Yeah. So. Welcome, welcome to the show. We're, to I just here. got a buzz on my phone. I'm 
I'm <laughs> betting you that was my wife buzzing me. Uh, thanks for coming along. You know, we're it's great to have you. You have oh, a sale pleasure. in like four weeks. This is Zach yeah. Pogmiller. He's yeah. in charge of uh, the movie poster department. Right, yeah. And uh, we've got a signature auction coming up on April 29th and 30th. But um, I especially wanted to share with you today something, um, you know, that we just found out about last week, actually. It... Um, so what this is, it's a, well, speak, you know, uh, transitioning on from, from Wrightson, this is a original one sheet for the 1931 film Frankenstein. Wow. And, uh, you know, up until this point, you know, there were only six um, of this Frankenstein uh, style A known in the world. Uh, this is number seven. And uh, this might be the one the, that survives in the best condition. Of, of any uh, wow. that are around. The last time Heritage had one in anything like comparable condition uh, was almost 20 years ago. And how much did that go for 20 it years ago? It went for um, uh, over $189,000. Wow. So is this, do posters go above million? Is that even a number we're that, used there, to? Uh, I, I think a lot of posters has sold for over a million, but no individual poster has sold for over a million dollars yet. Which is kind of interesting because when you just think about the scarcity of posters, like these were never available to the public. These aren't the kind of posters you'd go into Suncoast Video and you know flip through the rack right, of. Right, I mean, right. these were only um, you know purchasable by movie theater owners, you know, from studios or from the National Screen Service to uh, you know promote the run of a film at their theater. And well, after weren't that, they supposed they to give them back or destroy them? Once or? the National S Screen Service came in, technically all of the posters were property of them and they were supposed to be returned. But um, a lot of the time, you know, the films would be distributed to the big cities and then uh, they'd be uh, sent, like the, the actual reels would be sent out to you know, smaller towns and then out to rural areas. And the poster oftentimes traveled with it. So they just like the reason a lot of posters are folded are they, because they were they were ship flat, but they this also will fit in a film can, oh, and so it can you know you can sense. carry it along with you. Um, but yeah, so uh, and and the the printing numbers on on posters are just so much far less than you would imagine. Like I, I know specifically Warner Brothers three sheets from the 1940s. Movies like, uh, you know, The Big Sleep or something we got a little bit later, um, you know, they, they would print 300 in total. And the fact that any of those really? survives is crazy. To, to make it through the whole United States to well, show? Well, because or? Not, every, uh, not every theater had the space to exhibit a, a poster that This is long. incredible. This, this is stuff, this is why we have other people on the show, because we're, we like movie posters. You know, X and I talk about it here and there. My wife loves movie posters, but we would never know this. I wouldn't know this unless I were in the, de in the department. This is amazing. So, yeah, I mean, for, for um, something, you know, like, this Frankenstein here is, you know, one of the holy grails of the hobby. You know, like this would be equivalent to like a Detective 27 or yeah. an Action Number yeah, One. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, and the the thing is, this was just discovered in an attic in Pennsylvania. The, I was gonna, no, no one I was going to ask: that. Is there a cool story related well, to this? Story? Just you know, the people were cleaning out an attic in you yeah. know in a box in the middle of a box. Here's Frankenstein. It's just crazy that things like this are still coming to light. It, in this it day blows age. our mind with comics all the time. Well, it's like finding finding a comic in a wall. I know that yeah. there was a house in Pennsylvania that they used posters as to laminate the floor on the bottom, and they actually were able to 
take off the posters one by one in a certain process. And some of those posters were the only ones known to exist. So. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, rare Warner Brothers posters in that find. And, uh, you know, people used to also use them for insulation in walls. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've yeah done, it's incredible. Yeah, right? they've gone to renovate something. And, wow, there's a bunch because of crumpled up movie posters. Because really, really good. Paper's a very good insulator, and so that's the reason they did that. Yeah. Uh, Uncle uh, Paver said, I've spent 45 years collecting and never seen a copy like that. Do we dare unfold it? Let's do are, it. Are we going to? Oh, <laughs> we're going to need some help This here, is what you get play. for not being here. I'm happy about this. This. this is exciting. Very careful. And it, the, the paper's still very supple. I mean, sometimes yeah, it these looks get like it. It's amazing. Well, so it's like the, I know that the three sheet that is one of our um, competitors' collections was found in a briefcase in a, in a garage sale. Yeah, that's and, incredible. And so, um, off the table here, you know, there were. Lower yeah. just a little bit. Sure. Right wow, that's in great shape. Go. That's, yeah, a that's great incredible. It's amazing. I mean, it, it looks like it was printed yesterday as far as the colors are concerned. Because yeah. like comics, the red and the yellow are the first things to go. Unbelievable. Yeah. Look at the Frankenstein face, too. It's just unbelievable. It's this is incredible. I like the windmill in the back with the tree in the house. Yeah, it's very atmospheric. It's a really yeah. interesting composition. Very. So what kind of grade would you say that's uh, in? We Let's graded this a, down a, a nine. A nine, nine of ten. Wow. And so. is it just because of the little holes? In yeah. The... So, the, and that's to be expected, you know, as these posters are folded and unfolded, they start to separate at the cross folds. Right. And so you can't ding you it too it. much for that. Is, is it normal to put something, especially like this one on linen? Because a, a lot of posters from that time period, is it good or is it bad? So it's, uh, you know, it's a matter of choice. If, you know, if, if there are um, significant problems with the poster, most people would want to linen back it and you know, have those restored just to have the cleanest representation of that image as they could possibly have. Okay. But with something like this, I mean, it might be a little easier to frame if it were on linen, but it's just so remarkable that it survived in this condition that I wouldn't necessarily recommend it because you're not gonna find another one like this. Now we, now we need to specifically state, and this is very, very important for all you comic people out there, <laughs> restoration and movie posters is not restoration of a comic book it's not the same it's actually very very acceptable in the right. movie poster industry in a movie poster collectible hobby that restoration is accepted and doesn't harm the value as much or it doesn't hurt it at all or well it depends i mean when you're talking about something that um like like this or you know there are many scarcer posters where right. the, like one example is known i mean it, it you either matter, want okay. it or you don't right at that point right well, so, it's, so we don't, you know, when we're talking about a book that's been printed 40,000 times, or in the case of Action Comics, let's say, Action Comics, if you don't know, had a million print run. It, it was very, very, very high. All those books were destroyed, obviously, in the paper wars, and people threw them out and all, you know, all that stuff, which is why you only have 30 to 60 copies or whatever the number is. But, um, but this is different because not only did they not print a million they also had to survive the paper drive, and they also had to survive being sent back or destroyed. Well, yeah, and also, um, you know, standard use in a, in right. a movie theater. Like, a lot of times, posters would be, you know, worn out by the time they'd get to the second or third theater, and, um, you know, you had to make room for what was playing the right. next week. And so, you know, you, well, some places uh, threw them in an attic or threw them in a basement or some people, you know, I, gave them to a kid in the neighborhood or just tossed them. I've heard that uh, theaters would have cut them down also to make them fit in their in their places. Yeah, sometimes yeah. that would happen too. Also, um, especially with uh, 
like insert cards or window cards, you'll see uh, advertisements written on the back for something else that was going to play later yeah. so that they could uh, you know, do some advanced So explain promotion. the one sheet, three sheet, six sheet, half sheet thing. Billboard. Um, I, I'm not as good with the, te the terminology. One sheet, you said that was a one sheet. Yeah, one sheet is a standard the, movie poster size. So that's the, the, okay. the standard increment of measurement, I guess, which would okay. be like uh, 27 by 41 inches. And then a three sheet um, is printed in two sections designed to overlap. And that ends up being something like, um, you know, like 41 by 80 inches, give or take, once, you know, you've registered the top and the bottom panel. So it's not, a, a, a two sheet is not twice the size of a one sheet exactly. It's, it's just. Yeah, the, th the th three sheet is not three one okay. sheets exactly, but. Um, it, 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 just the, the nomenclature, you know, that they adopted. I've and always then, been confused on and that. And then a six sheet is about 81 by 81 inches. So that's basically two three sheets. And then, um, you know, like uh, the insert and window card, you know, a window card is sort of like um, half of a one sheet poster. It's like 22 by 28, but not exactly. And so those aren't, those aren't half sheets. That's half sheet, I, yeah. I used to collect half sheets and inserts, and the, yeah, the half, half sheet was half of a poster, and then pretty, the insert was half of a poster like that. Right. So, and then uh, insert is like 14 by 36 inches. So they're gotcha. not, they're kind of, uh, you know, almost, they're not exact is what it is. But, um, you know, the inserts and the window cards are printed on a, a thicker paper. And, um, you know, often those would be dis displayed in a door or on a column or right. something like right. that anywhere. Um, you know, and the, the six sheets and three sheets oftentimes were displayed outside. Like a lot of six sheets were pasted up to walls. And so most of the ones you see floating around were never used because those would either be pasted over or, you know, torn down and thrown away at that and, point. And they don't exist. Yeah, that's why they're so rare. So what's the rarest that you've ever seen? Aside from this, I mean, obviously this would be. Well, I mean, I've, I've seen a, a lot of, uh, you know, one of one posters or, you know, the, the only ones known. Which, what's remarkable is even after 20 years of uh, doing auctions, we're still, you know, coming up with things uh, that we've never had at Heritage before. Really? I've got, That's here, amazing. well, I mean, this is an example. So this is, a uh, leader press poster for the invisible man so the 1933 universal film and uh, leader press out of oklahoma city which it says on it um, had deals with the studios where they could produce alternative advertising material for their films with the proviso that they couldn't put the studio's name on here so you see no universal and you really see no talent build mm -hmm. but this is still from the original release of the film these actually uh, would come out a couple weeks before the studio issued posters. So theaters that um, you know wanted to get a jump in advertising could order these in advance from them. And then also um, they were created as an alternative because of the way that the posters were passed around. If you were in a more rural area, uh, if you got a poster with your film print, chances are it was in pretty lousy condition. Right. So the, uh, you know this provided an alternative. 
And I, I just think this is great. I mean, such an interesting, powerful graphic. It's, like, it's you, pure I, advertising yeah. when we didn't have advertising like we have now. I mean, sure. you can go anywhere in the world and see any kind of advertising. Heck, you know, jump on the internet and you see all the advertising being thrown at you. But this is true printed advertising. Yeah. And what's cool is, like, as a design problem, like, uh, you know, we've got a film with an invisible protagonist. Right. How are we going to yeah. represent that? Right. And so it, just a very strong image. But again, you know, this is something we've never had at, at Heritage. I don't know that another one exists in the world. That's incredible. Are so those I, I, rare, uh, that Oklahoma, like you said? That yeah, the, the leader press, so they were only in operation uh, from 1930 to 1937. I mean, wow. there was a five. Wow, that's a very short period. Yeah. Right, and then they were replaced by uh, another company whose run was even shorter, only um, three years, called The Other Company. I actually have another uh, poster example there that I'll go cool. grab real quick. Okay. We had some cool stuff. <laughs> we, this is well, why we brought Zach in is because, uh, you know, we, we like this stuff. And As he's talking about posters, it relates more to, like, art, whereas or like a limited um, yeah, Banksy or a limited Andy Warhol right. where there's right. only six of them or 10 of them known. Right. So. All right. This is um, an other company three sheet, actually. I might need your help with this yep. for uh, The Adventures of Robin Hood, that Errol Flynn swashbuckling classic from Warhol. Oh, wow. It's actually upside down. So. All right. Let's see. But, and again on this, you'll notice that and this we don't mention linen. the the yeah, and this is linen back. We don't mention uh, and that uh, invisible man is also raw. I mean that's not that's linen back at all. And so uh, yeah, and this is what such kind of a, this is? a cool, compelling graphic too. It's completely different from the studio issued material. Great likeness of uh, Errol Flynn. You've got your you know sword fighting in the front there. You know, completely different title treatment. But I. I this, this is the cool. yeah, the, and this is the only one of these that we've ever had. The only problem with something like this is you need the house to go with it. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, so uh, that means you, you need to be. I, I need to be a millionaire sometime mm -hmm. soon. Yeah. Zach, That's you spoke. You spoke about the non-published uh, studio one. I know that foreign posters have different images from uh, them printing, and sometimes collectors go after those more because of the imagery. Is yeah, I mean, I mean, you get fantastic stuff um, in a lot of foreign posters. I mean, so um, are those the, most, the easily recognizable, uh, you know, foreign posters are, you know, Japanese posters because they're using a completely different, uh, you know, writing system. But they also got into photo montage a lot sooner. Like you, today's moto, uh, movie posters are mainly photographic. But the Japanese were doing that, you know, as early as the, you know, the 40s. And they're doing it, um, you know, in a very adventurous, very, you know, um, action-packed manner. I mean, like every space of the poster is used with some sort of graphic, right. and they're they're very cool and compelling. And then um, in the, you know, behind the Iron Curtain in Eastern Europe, they actually uh, like in uh, you know Czech, what is now the Czech Republic and Poland, um, specifically Romania to. Um, they, uh, you know, they weren't constrained by uh, the same, you know, commercial uh, mentality behind the creation of the posters. A lot of times, and this was true in Poland, um, you know, artists would be part of like the government artist collective. 
and you would get your assignment from the collective to do, say, a movie poster. Some of the time you wouldn't even see the movie. You just get a synopsis of it, <laughs> and then you you know you'd go design something based on that. Maybe you'd see a few stills, and um, you know specifically in Poland, like uh, you know then your your work would be rated by the committee of artists, and if you did an especially interesting job, you know they, they rated it highly artistically, you'd get a bonus for it. Wow. So it kind of inspired them to push the envelope with their designs. Is there a difference between the collectors? Like, do foreign collectors just collect foreign, or do there's a lot of crossover? No, usually, um, in terms of value, uh, usually the country of origin uh, posters for a film are worth the most. So, like for an Ingmar Bergman film, for instance, like The Seventh Seal, the uh, the Swedish posters are worth more than any, the okay. posters from any other country. But sometimes, I mean, you get really exciting designs, especially um, like in France and Italy in the 40s and 50s. That's what I've they heard. Had, yeah. yeah, beautiful painted posters that um, are a lot more interesting than some of the things that the U.S. was putting out at the time. So whereas you'd have a U.S. poster that's worth uh, maybe $200, the Italian, um, you know, quattrifoli, the uh, two-panel poster, would be worth like $2,500. And I've heard that both those countries were more risque also. With sure. Miami. I mean, they were... Uh, most countries are a little more uh, liberal when it comes to that kind of thing than America. Way to be political very, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little more liberal, just a bit. Yeah. So, um, I, but yeah, I, I mean, we. So one of my favorite uh, international posters that we've got is uh, coming up in the signature auction. We have an Argentinian, uh, an original Argentinian poster for King Kong. Oh, and wow. It's just got you know That's, spectacular imagery of I Kong on a rampage cool holding. Uh, Fay Ray. That's crazy. What else do you want to show? Because oh, I, I see this, and I, at some point you got to get to it. That's <laughs> yeah, one of my ultimate up. favorites of all time. So, um, sp you know, speaking of half sheets, this is the U.S. half sheet style B for War of the Worlds. And in, um, this is the only U.S. poster for the film that depicts the Martian war machine spaceships. Oh. Oh, and this wow. is just, you know, spaceships on a rampage. I, I think this is one of the strongest sci-fi images, yeah. you know, ever committed to paper. I, I, am, I am absolutely, I have always been fascinated with this just because in, you know, it was, as a, it was a fake radio show beforehand. Oh, I don't right, know if you've yeah. ever listened to that. It's really amazing. You should go and listen to it. Oh, absolutely. The actual yeah, War of the Worlds broadcast. It's incredible. Um, but this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, and the, uh, this poster has sold for as much as $50,000 before. Unbelievable. And it's in great shape. I it mean, is. That is an incredible yeah, shape. Yeah, completely unrestored. You mentioned style B. Um, how many styles, how would they consider how many styles they would do for a movie? So they lettered them differently. I mean, they, uh, it's interesting. Some posters, some posters for movies don't have any style designation. Some, like, the, there'd be two one-sheets, and those would be A and B. Then the three-sheet would be C. If okay. there was a second uh, three-sheet D, six-sheet would be E. You know, it, it really depends. Okay. But, you know, some, um, on what kind of push uh, the studio wanted to give the movie. So I've got here, this is actually coming up in a weekly auction next week. This is the original <laughs> press book um, or campaign book for the movie King Kong. It's in a couple of sections here. This is the cover. But so the, the, uh, the studios would circulate these to theaters 
and from it you could order different styles of posters oh, okay. cool. and other advertising material for your theater and it would also have a bunch of um, you know, pre-written articles that you could clip out and send to your local newspaper if you wanted them to, to run a piece on a film that you had coming up. That's real cool. Yeah, so, um, I mean, and you can see here- Almost oh, like a Heritage Auctions auction. Well, it's a catalog. It's a catalog for the movie. But, is I that mean, like a reference guide sometimes for what you can collect? Yeah, exactly. This is how you know what exists on certain films. That's cool. And in some, some cases, you know, like people are still hunting for posters that have showed up in these books that no one's ever found an no example. No one's ever awesome. seen that. This <laughs> one, I mean, you, I mean, look at the scale. They, I mean, this is truly, you know, Kong sized. Yeah. But um, they had quite a few. You can you can see what kind of money they threw behind here the, the comic strips. But wow. Uh, the creation of this film and the promotion of it. So here. Hold on coming apart here yeah. if we can hold that up so I mean these are all the posters that they created for King Kong they've got multiple styles of 24 sheet billboards at least uh, you know three styles of three sheets there's a six sheet there's this is the one sheet style B this is the one sheet uh, style A up here that's great. Buying incredible. one of each and putting it away, and how much that would be right now. Well, and you can see the prices. Uh, the yeah, three that's not cheap either. The, the three sheets were thirty cents each. <laughs> but there's ones that are a dollar seventy-five cents each, yeah, and that's not cheap back then. No, no. But, but that's also a, a twenty-four sheet billboard. That's still the that's same size as billboards today. <laughs> oh, that's, so look, yeah, those, imagine Kong fighting a dinosaur that was on a, a billboard. Those are extremely rare, like yeah, and, billboards. And, this uh, press it's book great is, that that's in color. That's not in black and white because you can see all the vivid colors. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's how much money. That's how much they believed in this film, or they wanted to push it because horror had been so popular after the release of stuff like uh, you know Dracula and Frankenstein. Dracula and Frankenstein almost single-handedly pulled Universal Studios out of debt. They were about two point two million dollars in debt when they made Dracula. And that, uh, that's they, an incredible they made number from back then. Seven hundred thousand dollars on the film. Wow, which, wow. Is, which is wild. <laughs> Two wow. million dollars. I know one of our dollars. records is that blue, blue it's, background. It's funny to see, like you know, compared to what the GDP was back then. Right, right. Let's see. Isn't is isn't one of the more expensive posters that half a million dollar Dracula that we sold? Yeah, I th I think that's um, one of the most expensive posters ever. Um, okay. But then also what's cool, let's see if we can yeah. pick this back up this yeah. way. Yep. So one of the special things uh, they created to advertise King Kong was a puzzle that, you know, I, I guess uh, you could have printed with your theater name and, you know, distribute to, to patrons, maybe have a contest or something like that. And in this next signature auction, we actually have an example of that 150-piece puzzle, wow. which is complete. I, and uh, you know, we've got, it comes with the original envelope, you <laughs> know, slightly uh, worse for wear, but in, just miraculous that it still exists. That it didn't and get thrown out. And if you put it together, it's uh, you know, it's individual pieces that you put together, and it's King Kong fighting a T-Rex. Unbelievable. How many of those have you ever seen? Um, um, you know what? Less than a handful, but um, a lot cool. of times too. I've, um, you know, it's, it's kind of rare to find them anymore unbuilt like this because a lot of people put them together and like shellacked it. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that oh, they can display okay. it. But it, it, it's still, you know, a very interesting thing. Wow.
This is why we have guests on here from other departments, because I'm like a kid in a candy store right now. This is cool. You don't get to see these things very often, and we work in the same building. Right, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a continual source of excitement, all of the new stuff that comes through the door all the time. Yeah. Like you, that, that's one thing working in the auction business. You never know what tomorrow will consist or of. Or what phone call you're going to pick up. That's the other exactly. thing is the phone calls that I mean, we I get got sometimes. A, I got a call nuts. about that Frankenstein on Friday, and I, you know, I picked it up on Monday. So I, so I got to ask about the Frankenstein. What do you, what do you think? How, how well, high do you think it's going to go? What's you know, your... it's a completely different market than 2004. I, I mean, I, I would conservatively say it will bring over uh, $250,000. It's in the auction for uh, with an estimate of uh, 150 to 300, which means the bidding opens at uh, 75,000, and I think it will quickly eclipse that. But yeah, it, it, it's very exciting, and you know, it's just. Basically, we, we've had something like that, you know, once in a generation. So I'll be on the podium for it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's but awesome. It's like, that, that's the one thing with movie posters when, uh, you know, you might only ever get one opportunity to buy a thing. Yeah, they don't change it, hands all that often. That's kind of what level. we say about artwork is, look, if you really want this piece, you better get it because you won't see it for another generation, 20 years. You know, you see a cycle of 20 years, maybe 30 if somebody really wants it. Uh, and they're going to keep it for a very, very long time. This is kind of the same thing. It's it's more of a, a, a an, on our art comic art scale than it yeah. is our comic book scale it's, by it's, far. It's the rarity of it. This, again, if there's only a handful of them. The handful of those people when they get it, they're gonna. A lot of collectors die with the stuff. So yeah, right. Yeah, it's amazing. That's amazing that they found the seventh one. Yeah, that had to be like it had to be yeah. like finally finding King Tut's tomb when you knew well, it was it's, there. it's like it is there. literally finding a treasure yeah, like, yeah. Un it's, unbelievable it's, Th this is really cool the the uh, with all the posters in it that, oh like yeah. you said that would be cool on just so you knew well, what to what to go for and um, you know sort of along the lines of Frankenstein this is a universal exhibitors book from 1931 uh, to 1932 that they would circulate um, you know, to theaters, letting them know what their slate of pictures for the coming year would be, so that you, uh, you, know, you could plan and uh, make orders in advance. And this particular one uh, was released just after Dracula came out, and there is actually an ad in it for Frankenstein. That's cool. Which is wild, and you can tell they, they haven't rolled any footage on Frankenstein because of you know what he looks like. He looks he's shooting, right. He's, yeah. he's shooting lasers out of his eyes, and he's and giant, terrorizing him like an urban he metropolis. He looks like King Kong in some yeah. fashion. But yeah. the, the really interesting thing about this is they advertise Bella Lugosi, Dracula, as playing Frankenstein because he was originally slated uh, to play the part, and um, you know, and Robert Flory was um, to be the director, and they kind of fell out over. Um, you know, Flory's conception of what the Frankenstein monster would be. You know, the, Bela Lugosi wanted to play the mad scientist, but they only saw him as the monster, and he didn't want to just be a mindless killing machine. So James Whale came in and brought his guy, Boris Karloff, and, uh, you know, Karloff becomes a household name off the back yeah. of it. As a consolation, though, the studio gave Flory and Lugosi another film, which is also advertised in here, Murders of the Rue Morgue. Wow, oh, and that's Edgar Allan Poe, right? Oh. And, 
And that's just the incredible graphics. So this, I mean, it's a cool piece of, of movie history just to, to see what the stu how the studio conceived of these projects before you know they, they ever came to be. Unbelievable. And you get original or, or like a different artwork in a lot of these than you'd see anywhere else. And because they're trying to put their best foot forward to their clients, I mean, they went all out on, on yeah. doing these things. And what do things like those cost? They can't be, you know, they can't be like this where it's, you know, uh, so. Well, I'm, I mean, regularly, you know, like two or three thousand dollars. This one will start uh, at a dollar in the same weekly auction as the King Kong press book. Were any of those posters produced if, that, for example, like that Frankenstein, it was changed. So was that poster ever produced? Uh, no, and a lot of, uh, and sadly, most of the original art for that stuff does not survive right. either. I mean, the, the they just got thrown out. Very good stewards of their own legacy, and a lot of stuff got thrown away. They just didn't value it in the same way, and well, it, it certainly art. wasn't going back to the artist to be preserved. It wasn't making it wasn't making them money, so they got rid of it. Yeah, exactly, you know, basically, is what it was. Uh, don't don't get us wrong. Comic books did the same way. Early comic books comic art. doesn't exist. Right? Comic uh, art, yeah. Action Comics one art doesn't exist. They either the burst board was expensive. They reused it. They erased it. They got rid of it. They did something with it. It got wow. tossed into paper drives. Imagine that was around. You and know, then storage. Like, I mean, storage. DC actually threw out a bunch of stuff that um, I think Marv Wolfman and some other creator, when they were told cut it up and throw it out, they cut it up. They threw it out and then they dumpster dived it uh, at night. And that's the only reason those pieces survived. Good for them. Yeah. I heard they like when it was raining too. Sometimes they would just throw boards on the floor and use them as like uh, yeah. you know, like a doormat type. Well, of thing. I heard uh, this was from animation when they were done with something like Snow White. It was. I mean, think of how many animation cells Snow White well, took to produce. Oh my gosh! But they, they didn't blanked value them. that. They they lined the hallways and they went slip sliding down <laughs> and then the hallways on, well, on and, acetate. Yeah, and then the well, earlier ones they would blank. They would reuse these yeah. cells. Yeah. Which, I mean, is cost-effective. But, but people thought they were making uh, disposable entertainments. They didn't sure. think that these things would have a, a life or a following 90 years later. No, or they, have and, the, and nobody thinks that now either, you know, right. even well, though we're a little more collector-minded. But how many phones have you gotten rid of? How, your first computer? Your, I mean, collecting may sure. change 50 years from now to the point where the things that we're taking for granted now don't exist 50 years from now, and it might be worth something. Oh, I so. wish I... I you know, I wish I had never opened my childhood NES and kept that <laughs> right. in a mint in box until <laughs> right. this day, man. Right. So my parents would have murdered me if I, I've said this before a lot on the show, my parents would have killed me 10 times over if I didn't play my games that they had spent $50 on, trust right. me. So that's amazing. I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is way more fun stuff than I would have. I'm bringing out. I'm not going to bring out anything cool compared to this. Uh, I, I think I've got one more thing to show you, if that's all right. Of course, it's all right. Let's pull this back up. Yes. I'm nervous. That is awesome. You brought some cool stuff. This is another cool thing. This, this is the is, stuff we bring for you guys. Uh, you know, another incredible rarity. This is an original Style D one sheet for the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> wow. wow. So I think the last one, um, of, the last example we sold went for over $80,000. So we'll see on this. Just because, you know, they're not around. 
you know, we, we had multiples I've, from one collection, but I mean, that it, it's, unbelievable. it's incredible. The, the drawing on the side is interesting. I've never seen yeah. it. Yeah, very stylized. On some of the other styles, they had uh, art of the caricaturist Al Hirschfeld do a lot of the artwork, but it's just a, you know, a completely different conception of, of the movie. You know, they kind of, you've got the cast, you've got the witch. They're, the, um, the other main style of one sheet for the film just has the title treatment with caricatures inside of it. So it's just text. It's very odd. So this is the more graphic of the two styles. And you notice that there's no witch in this. You right, know, right. They, they've got the wizard, they've got everybody else, but not the witch. And uh, I mean, the, clearly they hadn't decided on the blue gingham right, dress the, yet. The blue, the blue dress, but Toto's not in it either. either. Toto's there, but not in it. That's incredible. So this, this Unbelievable. Is cool. That is that's really cool. cool. And that's on linen too, right? So Yes, exactly. See, that's how I, I like I like the linen just because I feel it's sturdier and it's saving it the item. It becomes much more portable that yeah, way. Yeah, for and sure. And it's, uh, you know, it's an archival reversible process. You can pull it off linen. Again. You can, and really. I didn't know that. If you wanted to. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the, all the glues that they use are water-soluble, and um, you know, that Japan paper will dissolve, and it will sort of, like if you soak it, it will lift off uh, the linen backing. So I, I've got to ask, you know, we've talked about the rarity of all these. We've talked about, you know, how hard they are to find. Is there a, a site that you go to to, you know, with, with comics, we can actually see a census. Um, you know, un un unfortunately, uh, you know, th that's never happened, you know, because there's been no third party grading really take hold in the movie poster hobby. There's no one really keeping tabs on it. I mean, there are, you can look at, um, you know, the auction record, um, you know, Heritage is probably the best, uh, you know, record you can find online of, you know, what's out there and, uh, you know, a price guide for, for posters. Um, you know, there's a, a website called Learn About Movie Posters that has all kinds of information about the history of posters, different artists, um, you know, the, you know, what also all the different styles of posters, um, you know, what, uh, and also, um, you know, movie stills, uh, you can, they have a code database where you can look up the codes on a poster and find out, you know, what that means. But there's nothing that but says, well, we think there's only 10 no, of it's just, it's just individuals who have kept track of this over the years. Wow. So, so I've heard that the code on the bottom corner of the poster refers to the year of the poster and then the film number for that year. Is that correct? Yes. So um, especially in the NSS era where the National Screen Service is handling, um, you know, movie distribution, um, the, the year is the, the year that it was entered into, into the database. So sometimes like a movie didn't come out until January of 1954. Well, it has a 53 for the code because that's when it was entered into the database. And then just, um, you know, the, uh, a lot of times like a three-digit number or a couple-digit number that yeah. would identify what entry in the registry it was for that year. Okay. Yeah, that's what I had heard, yeah. Heritage is the best. Your database is invaluable. This is absolutely true, especially for something like movie posters. I yeah. mean, there's a lot more information with comic books and sales and things like that. But even then, we keep all our stuff online for we keep all our stuff online for that reason is so you guys can use it to, uh, to the best of your ability. Um, wow, I, I don't even know how I'm going to top this. I think you kind of <laughs> stole the show. I should have gone next and then had you sit through me 
and then excited. But, but yeah. I brought comic books. Does anybody care? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, between what X did, uh, I actually went a little thematic on my stuff. Um, you know, I brought a couple things as a learning tool, and and we've kind of said this in the past. Uh, with comic books, and you know, you said it. It'll happen with 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 um, movie posters too. Mm -hmm. So you can see how much that that bled. Oh yeah. Um, so you can see here. I brought a Justice League or a, Bra a Brave and the Bold twenty eight uh, that has no color on it. Uh, and the important thing to this is, is we hear a lot of times. Um, I want I want my book slapped for presentation purposes. I'm going to keep it on my wall. I'm going to keep it there. And we keep saying it. Uh, don't do that. Uh, it's a bad idea. Comics belong in the in a nice cold dark place. Um, not cold like 60 degrees cold, but moderate temperature. Uh, otherwise, the colors will bleed. Um, this is you know this just went up for auction, so obviously it's still low. Uh, if you haven't recognized it or don't remember, uh, don't know, didn't hear, we went to a three night format with comics. We have so many comics all the time. We went to Golden Age on Sunday nights, uh, along with Pulp's memorabilia magazines. Uh, Pulp's magazines memorabilia. Right, and then on yeah. on uh, Monday is Silver Age, Silver Age. And, and then Tuesday is, is modern and everything else, uh, Bronze Age all the way up to modern uh, plus uh, other stuff. So uh, it's important for us to tell you, we say it time and time again: don't store your books on the wall. Make a make a nice color copy of it. You can do that. You can make a nice poster if you want your book on the wall. That will probably serve you better and safer, and you will lose less money down the road 30 years from now uh, if you don't have it bled like that. Uh, what else did I bring? I brought a couple things that are not part of my theme. So I brought two books here. One is a Nickel Comics. We get it, um, we get questions all the time. I have five cent books. I have five cent comics. They didn't come out as five cent comics, they're all 10 cents, except for nickel comics. And there are a very few other, um, I always do this wrong when I'm backwards. Um, there are very few other exceptions, but you can see here, uh, right here, five cents, that's really all it costs. But I guarantee you they weren't making money at that. 10 cents <laughs> is usually the, is usually the, like the break even point. The break even point or the, you know, they, they had to have a lot of sales at five cents to, to break even there. Um, so. Five cents was it, uh, was, was really scraping the bottom of the barrel. And then the last book I brought that isn't part of a theme is this Rangers One. Last week when, um, when we did, um, when I did the, uh, 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 when I did the, uh, thank you, newsletter, we had fiction, I mean, Fiction House was coming out of our ears. We had every Fiction House title except for Rangers, but we had Wings, Fight, and Planet, and there, we had all number ones in the sale, which is very unusual for, for our weekly sales. Usually it's reserved for signature sales, but this week we've got the Rangers number one. Uh, and uh, if you really are going after Fiction House, these past two weeks are in your wheelhouse. I mean, you've you've spent a lot of money trying to get the number ones because they're they're all there. I don't know what consigner it was. It wasn't my client. It wasn't X's client because he didn't show me. Uh, but one of our clients gave us everything. It's really cool to see all that stuff at the same time. Uh, and and in a weekly sale, you didn't have to wait. You know, you didn't have to wait for a signature sale, which is going to be massive in three in two weeks. Two weeks from tomorrow, it starts. It is 
monstrous. I don't know if you've seen. We have a Detective 27. We have a Superman one, two, three Batman ones. Wow. Marvel Comics one. The only thing we don't have is, a, is an action one. Everything else exists. We have a Sensation one, a Wonder Woman one. We have, I, I, it's ridiculous. The sale is ridiculously large. For comics, yeah. For Golden for Age comics, comics, the sale is packed. It is ridiculous. It will end in promise collections. You know, some people re, uh, uh, reconsign the comic uh, or the some of their promise books. The first uh, Riddler got reconsigned. So the first Riddler's back. The Mask One is back. Those books are monstrous and beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. The more fun is a, is the mile high. It's a nine six. I mean, you talk about how did it survive sure. in the high grade? That's, That's what we incredible. ask about a mile high comic. How did that happen? So. I did break my last book without the theme is uh, Lawbreaker Suspense Stories. This is a really cool pre-code horror book. Uh, it's it's the most one of the most famous ones. It's the severed tongue cover. So this guy, you know, is killing people and chopping her tongues off, and you can see he's he's a little bit loony. He's got a whole pile of them, and he's tr she's trying to hide and didn't do so successfully. She thinks hiding on a wall is a good idea. <laughs> I'll just um, blend into this wall. <laughs> I'll just blend in with a blue with a blue uh, necklace. Dress. Yeah, uh, that, that'll that'll make sure he doesn't notice me against the yellow wall. Let's get into that garage full of chainsaws. Yeah, Why I not love into that this? commercial. Why not get into the running car? <laughs> Are you crazy? So, uh, but uh, when I was when I was looking for things to bring, I kept noticing we had a lot of books that had a science fiction theme. So I was like, ah why don't I just do that? So I picked out a lot of books that have science fiction uh, themes. If you really like science fiction, uh, there's an 8.0 Star Trek 1. 8.0, that's not normal. Uh, and uh, so we really, you know, this book, even though it's a gold key, and I kind of scoff at gold key, I'm not a big fan of the publisher because they really overdid everything. Uh, I do like Star Trek. I, I'm a Star Wars fan, but I'm also a Star Trek fan. I kind of straddle the fence there. But an 8.0 isn't normal for this book. It's usually a little less. Uh, I used to own one. It was a 6. Uh, usually I see them in the 4 to 6 range tops if, if I see them. An 8.0 is in this sale. Um, Everything else from here on out is all, again, is all science fiction. I brought this really cool Operation Peril. This book is really cool because I've never seen it. Tommy, can you zoom in on that one? I thought this was really neat. I've actually never seen this book. I, I didn't know ACG did this book uh, as a... Uh, science fiction theme. There you can see it on the site. Uh, it's almost Wally Wood-esque. I brought another one. The next one I'm going to show is, oh, I thought it was Wally Wood uh, to start, but this is kind of cool. I mean, you got to realize that these books are, you know, they're showing us in space. They're showing us in, yeah, whoop-de-doo, flying saucers. We hadn't been to we hadn't been to the moon sure. yet. We, we hadn't landed the on the moon, design. so you know it's it's so cool to see these, and then you start realizing we weren't on the moon yet. Um, this is the space detective I brought, and this is very much Wally Wood influenced. Uh, this I actually thought this was Wood for a second. It's actually it's not. It's uh, I think it's Kinsler. Um, Tommy, can you uh, take a look? See who the yeah, uh, Everett Raymond Kinsler is is the artist on this, uh, and uh, it looks very much like a Planet Comics. It really does. It's got the girl. It's got the alien. It's got the guy saving the girl. 
it's about as much as you could ask for with a with a science fiction book. I, I've said science fiction is kind of undervalued in my mind. Now, certain things like the Wally Wood, the EC stuff is is you know kind of uh, valuable, but these these space detectives aren't easy to find. Um, any of them that I'm showing you are you know except for the the Star Trek. The Star Trek I see a lot, but that's from the '60s. These '50 books, like I said, aren't very easy. Um, you know, uh, space western comics is a very, very hard one to find, <laughs> especially with the Nazi cover. Uh, so you have Nazis in space now. He's a space western cowboy in, in, in space fighting the Nazis. Uh, but this is the I most love, famous of them. I love, I love how he has basically dressed up as a cowboy. Fighting he's a space, he's a, he is a cowboy. He's a space western. <laughs> he has to be a cowboy. The madman of Mars. Now, And not only that, in this issue, now it can be told. Uh, it, obviously, prior to that, it was not allowed to be told. So <laughs> that's a great cover. I, yeah, I don't. If you, you've never seen that one, no. that one in that one goes for a few thousand in higher grade. That's that, that's pretty. That's a funny cover. Honestly. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I also brought this Captain Science. Um, so this Captain Science again, very Wally Wood esque. Um, you know, very pulp esque. It's got the you know, it got the girl. It's got the guy. Uh, saving the girl, it's got the bad guy in there. Uh, but these Captain Sciences are really cool. Really like, I, I, like uh, for some reason we had a lot of science fiction uh, this week. It doesn't run normally run like this, it's usually hit or miss. And then the last thing I brought, and this is really neat, we've been getting some really amazing pulps lately. And pulps are really cool because you know most people collect them for the for the cover, um, but this pulp science fiction pulp. And everybody says with pulps, you know, I've heard this a bunch from a bunch of people in the department. Is oh, pulps are common from the 1940s and 1950s. CGC is going to start grading pulps. Wow. Okay, so I would bet you money that when that starts happening and people start liking the covers, these beautiful painted covers, and they start encapsulating them, that they are not going to be as common as we think they are. You know, the comic books obviously are, you know, from the time they're, period are, are, are much more common. But they're I, definitely not going to be in high grade. They're definitely not in high grade. Especially yeah, considering how they were read. Right. Like, well, and the, and the paper is so, so inferior and, right. the, you know. So, the, so to find ones like the Yakashima pedigree and stuff yeah. like that, those are going to be the ones that. Anything, anything 6.0 or yeah. higher is is going to be your true gold standard because yeah. 6.0 is very uncommon for a pulp. That's like you're you're starting your very fine, very fine plus for a comic book. Yeah. Um, so it, it will grade will matter dramatically, and then you're going to find that oh, there's a very very low census down you know ten years down the road, and then it won't it won't matter as much what the grades are if the census are crazy and people want it. You know, there are some very, very classic covers that are really hard to find. I mean, crazy hard to find. So, but uh, any questions out there? Any questions for Zach? I mean, Zach had brought, like I said, I'm, I feel a little underwhelming with my I, stuff. I think I bombarded Zach with enough questions. <laughs> yeah, you really, you really overdid it. But maybe somebody out there in TV land would like to ask him a question that's not uh, Xavier. You know, you, you were the teacher, you know, the teacher's pet that kept their hand raised the whole well, time. Well, I just, I wanted to know if what my knowledge, little knowledge base was correct and continue 
expanding the knowledge base because there was yeah. a lot of cool things there. So, well, and we, like I said, we like we like this stuff. That's yeah, it's absolutely. exciting to to see things from other departments. Well, and I have to say, you know, I I collect comics a little myself. You know, I've just been getting into it really in the past couple of years, and I check you guys out. You know, every couple of weeks when you air, just to sort that. of see what's out there. You know, good source of information. That's and, really cool. Oh, yeah. Well, Coming I, attractions. Expert, Padawan, you know. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he won't call me master, though. He, I, I try to get him to do it, but he wouldn't do it. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> right? I need the Obi-Wan, you know, uh, you, you know, braiding and all that stuff. I need if you get the Obi-Wan braiding, I'll call you Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our show. Any questions out there? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, obviously, you can reach us at the emails below. If you have movie posters, if you tuned in for this and and that was kind of uh, you know your shtick, uh, great. You know, uh, email yeah. Zach at, at the at the email below. Subscribe to the Heritage Auctions YouTube channel. We were kind of talking about this before the show. Uh, that's kind of how you know that we're on. I, I was asking, you know, how people know aside from our emails uh, that we're doing the show. So if you really like the show subscribe to the channel uh, that'll that'll notify you we do this every two weeks I actually missed a major meeting X missed a major meeting with our boss as one of the owners of the company we don't normally have it on on Wednesday, on Wednesday. Uh, but we did this for you we said nah we're not going to the meeting so uh, Zach was late he couldn't do that I it was yeah. I've had a similar meeting that I had to attend. Had to attend. So, <laughs> so you should have just told him, no, I've got to do more important things like a podcast. There you go. <laughs> I got to go get consignments. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, thanks for bringing Zach on. Thanks. We, we, uh, we it was appreciate our pleasure. it. Uh, Chris says, I've been picking up international versions of Beatle movie posters because I like the art so much more. True. That's that's Great one of the stuff. reasons people do that. Yeah, especially the Japanese posters on the Beatles '60s movies are incredible. So I highly recommend those. So thank you. Uh, we appreciate you joining. We really do. And Zach, we appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you this, for having uh, me. This was a lot of fun, and obviously X was excited with all the questions he asked. <laughs> I was excited because I get to see stuff I never get to see. Sure. Again, at, Frankenstein was awesome. And my store, the store I used to have, I used to sell anything I could make a profit. Part of it was movie posters because the Tower Theater in Miami went out of business. And uh, when that happened, they pretty much sold banana crates of movie posters. And oh, wow. we, we, got a, we got a couple of those and made good money. So <laughs> That's awesome. That's super cool. Thanks, guys. If there are no more questions, I'm Brian Weedman, my buddy I'm out there. Xavier. And then we had Zach. We Zach. appreciate it. And we appreciate him coming on. Thank you. And we will have the replay of this up later on. And you can list also on Spotify and iTunes and all the places. We're everywhere now. So thanks, guys. Have a great one. Have a good one.